Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Hello and welcome to Podcast 133. This is Kurt Mortensen driving solo because the mysterious Steve Olson is out of town on spring break, could not be reached by phone, out of cell phone range. I'm not sure what's going on, but then I'm leaving town and this is the only time I could do it, so I am going solo, but promise good information and we'll walk you down the path to maximizing your influence. So thank you for being here and listening to our podcast. We love your feedback and your questions and suggestions. Well, maybe not all the suggestions, but most of the suggestions we we do like. So this is number 133. Welcome. Again, Steve Olson is gone. I am Kurt Mortensen. Let's talk about the power of persuasion and influence. So I can't ask Steve what he's been up to. I haven't been up to much. Same old thing, doing a lot of research on the science of persuasion and influence. And came across a very interesting article. And there will be no Steve Urkel. But I'll give you another sound effect. Here is Scooby. <laughs> Why Scooby? I don't know. It just sounded good, and it's a fun sound. and makes everyone smile. and reminds me of my childhood, so you can't get better than that. So this comes from the Applications of Nonverbal Communication Journal. And Dr. Ekman, I love Dr. Ekman. He's behind the FACS, the Facial Action Coding System, where he has categorized every muscle movement of the face because... That helps us with detecting deception and reading emotions. And Dr. Riggio has combined those two sources to come up with the science of a smile. Five types of smiles and what they mean. And this is important to know as a persuader because there are fake smiles, there's real smiles, there's sincere smiles. The first one he calls a Duchesne smile. And this is the one that's the true smile of happiness. Where you see the upturned corners of the mouth, you see the eyes smile with the mouth. And that's a key to really knowing that they are happy to see you and that's a true smile. Then, of course, there's a fake smile. There's no involvement with the eyes. And he's just kind of that fake <laughs> smile, I'm happy to see you. And there's no movement at all with the eyes. That's a fake smile. Then there's the uncomfortable smile. You know, when somebody says something inappropriate. And it's kind of designed to cover up those true feelings of discomfort. And we've all seen that one. Then a seductive smile. Hmm. This is kind of a slight smile that accompanies direct eye contact with a slow glance away. It is known as the seductive smile. Then the sarcastic smile. This smile suggests a positive emotion. Kind of an upturned mouth, but the eyes can give it away. There's kind of a look of disdain. <laughs> and the reason I want to go over this is that it's so important to understand. When you read body language, it makes you so much better in the world of persuasion and influence. When you can read emotions and read facial expressions, it makes a big difference. See, most people are so concerned about what to say next and what to do next and what they're thinking and what they're doing, they miss all these subtle cues that'll make it much easier for you to persuade and influence. So take a little more time this week to really read and understand people, understand emotions. It makes a big difference in your success and studies show also your happiness. Man, this is easy without Steve here. We can go right into the blunder of the week. Here's Homer. Don't, don't, don't. Now, this is courtesy of my wife. They were traveling, and they went to a national restaurant. Not going to name names here. And 
They've been on a no-soda kick. I think a lot of the world has realized soda's probably not the best thing for you. I'm not completely off, but I've reduced my intake. And so they went to sit down, I believe it was lunch, at this national chain. And of course, waiters and waitresses want you to order these beverages because it increases their tips and it increases the overall bill. Well, they all ordered water, and this waiter did not hide his disgust. He was kind of mad. He brought his waters, and they said, Can we please have a straw? <laughs> and he says, We only give straws for real drinks, and walked away. Now, later he said he was just kidding. He still never brought any straws, and people were upset, and I'm thinking, Wow, even if that's his true feelings, which they probably are, you're in a tip business, like many of you are in a commission business, You've got to be careful. If someone upsets you, rubs you the wrong way, you're a little frustrated and you have those little jabs, those little emotional outbursts, those little things you shouldn't be saying, it's going to hurt your relationship. It's going to hurt your sales. It's going to hurt your ability to influence and persuade. Be very careful. Even with the, oh, I'm just kidding, the damage has been done. You've already stabbed them with the knife. Be very careful with that because we all tend to do it. Those little subtle jabs can really hurt. I know you're frustrated. I know they shouldn't have said that. I know you wish they would have done something else. But you got to keep your emotions in check and make sure you understand this can really damage the relationship and your ability to persuade and influence. Now, with that, I'm going to segue into a video. Now, I know you can't watch a video, but this is from University Persuasion. This is week 18 from Resistant Free Influence. It's a series. It's on University Persuasion that you have access to. So I'm going to pull the audio, and I want you to listen to this, because it's very powerful. It's called the illusion of resistance. Because there are certain things you're doing, certain things that you're thinking, that is causing resistance when they didn't even have resistance. There's an illusion of resistance that you are thinking, that you're inventing, and sometimes you're even creating, and it's very, very damaging to your ability to influence. They're ready to go. They didn't have that objection before. They weren't resistance before, but things you're doing, things you're saying, things you're thinking are causing them to have resistance. So here it is from the University of Persuasion, The Illusion of Resistance. This is Kurt Mortensen, and let's talk about the topic today, The Illusion of Resistance. You think they're not interested. You think they're saying no. The question of the day is, do you create your own no? Are you sabotaging your success? Let me give you a few tools that will dramatically change your ability to influence and read other people. This is what you need to understand. Your mind might play tricks on you. Are they really saying no with their bodies or their questions? Are you assuming the worst? Are you sabotaging yourself? I've seen it too many times in a sales situation where the persuader or the salesperson will shake their head in the no fashion and say, you wouldn't be interested, would you? So we have a lot of challenges with that to where it was the question, shaking of the head, the inflection of the voice, of course they won't be interested. We have to be careful what we see, and sometimes when we become naturally pessimistic, we think we're seeing things, but we're not really seeing things. They were interested, but you talked them out of it because you're creating that resistance for them. Sometimes we even call this self-negotiation. When I monitor negotiations, I see people, well, how about 10%? And then there's silence. Oh, no, there's silence. Maybe that means they're not interested. Okay, about 9%. Oh, no, no, they're still silent. How about 8%? And you go all the way down to 5%. You're negotiating with yourself. You're sabotaging yourself because you think that silence 
is an illusion of resistance. They were ready to go at 10%, but they went to a good negotiation training, and they know that a lot of times silence with a rookie will cause them to negotiate with themselves. So let's get into this so you don't sabotage yourself and you don't create your own resistance. You don't create the oh no. They might be ready to go, but when you sabotage yourself, it really hurts your ability to influence. So let's talk about your imagination a little bit. Where does this imagination come from? Is it past experience? Yeah. Is it your attitude? Sure. Maybe it's part of your willpower, your personality type, how you were trained. But there's a few areas we can work on right now so you do not create that no. You do not have that illusion of resistance. First one we'll be talking about today is self-perception bias. How we see what we expect to see. We see what we want to see. We hear what we want to hear. We're going to talk about attention spans, both yours and the prospects. We're going to get into nonverbal behavior because sometimes when they do something and all of a sudden, like, oh, no, that means this, that might not be true. And we're going to go over expectations, your expectations, their expectations, because that's all part of your imagination and expecting to see what you think you're going to see. So let's go through these and talk about how these work. The first one is self-perception bias. Remember I said you see what you want to see. You see things different than the person you're talking to. We all see things in a different way. When 10 people see an accident, you'll have 10 different versions. It's just how our brain works. The brain will play tricks on you. If you go in there thinking, oh, they won't be interested, it's not going to happen, that's what you're going to see. I mean, countless studies have been done on self-perception bias. Your brain is not a hard drive to where every time you recall something, it's the same. It changes a little bit. For example... 92% of all managers will rate their managerial skills above average. 85% of high school seniors will rate their driving skills above average. 90% of people will rate their people skills above average because we have this self-perception bias. Go to a football game. As a neutral party, go to a football game, you'll just be amazed. The one side will say, oh, great hit. The other side will say, cheap shot. And in their mind, that is what they saw. You tell patients that are recovering from surgery. Oh, it's just going to take two weeks. You tell another one at two days, there's a big difference in recovery. You give somebody decaffeinated coffee and they say it's caffeinated, it has a lot of caffeine, they feel more energetic. You show somebody a horoscope and if it says good things about them, they'll believe it. Now the interesting thing there, if it says negative things, they won't believe it, but that's our perception bias. And that's what people see. So when you go in these situations, you have to be very careful of your self-perception bias and what's happening. Another example that's really interesting, as we talked about, you know, the football fans, they see what they want to see, the ability to recover from surgery, the decaffeinated coffee, and the horoscopes. But one of my favorite ones that we talk about self-perception bias is when you ask okay, a married couple, so you ask the wife, what percent of the housework do you do? The wives will say 90%. Then you go to the husbands and say, okay, what percent of the housework do you do? And the husbands will say 40%. Now, obviously, if you add that up, it's 130%, but that's their perception. So be very careful of that perception bias because it'll skew the way you, you see the situation. You have to go into an influence situation as neutral. You can't bring all this baggage, what's happened in the past or your attitude or what happened next week or the phone call before or the presentation before you have to go in neutral. So that's self-perception bias. The next one 
is attention spans. Now there's two types here. There's focused attention span and sustained attention spans. Now I don't know if you've seen the movie Up. It was a Disney Pixar movie. They had talking dogs in this movie where they had a little collar and it translated what they were saying. I don't know if you remember the movie or not, but then a number of times throughout the movies these dogs were talking and all of a sudden they're like, squirrel, right in the middle of the conversation. They'd come back, they'd talk, oh, squirrel. <laughs> and that's my favorite part of the movie because that's what your prospect is. Oh, something happens, something moves, something rings, something dings. They're all over the place. Because when you look at attention span, when people are just there in a neutral situation, they say it's about eight seconds that people can focus and something else happens. Eight seconds. Now, a sustained attention span, if you really try to focus, if you really try to maintain your attention, you might get 20 minutes, and that's at the high end. It's probably going to be around 13 minutes. So what does that mean? Well, just because they look at their watch doesn't mean a lot. See, oh, you're like, oh, no, they look at their watch, or they looked at the screen, they looked outside the window, they did this, they looked down. No, they have short attention spans. They will be distracted. Squirrel, right? <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> and you can't let that bother you. A lot of times you think, well, they're not listening, this is not happening, they're, they're looking bored. What if they was a lull in the presentation, or they had a big lunch, or there was a high temperature in the room, or maybe you're vomiting on them all the features and benefit. You're losing them. It's you. So what you need to do, if you think you're losing somebody's attention, what you should do is ask a question, come in with the story. That'll help you bring them back. So just because you don't think they're listening, it's not a time to run away or speed up your presentation. That's a big challenge for a lot of people. Attention spans all time long, eight seconds. And if they're really trying, it's not going to be much higher than that. Squirrel, remember that. Just remember that because that's what they're doing. Everything's going to distract them. That's how most people are. Now, as you go up the success ladder, the more successful people are, the more they can focus and concentrate. But that's a whole nother lesson. Another one you have to be very careful of is nonverbal behavior. Now, the key here is just because, like I mentioned, they look at their watch doesn't mean they're bored. And to me, oh, no, they looked at their watch and they speed up their presentation. They don't try anymore. They're going through the motions. They're not interested. Maybe they just wanted to know the time. Or they glance at their computer because it dinged at them. Or they're playing with their cell phone. Or they looked out the window. Or their feet, feet are on their desk. Oh, their feet are on their desk. I heard that means they're, they're too comfortable. They're not interested. What if they didn't laugh at your joke? Well, maybe it wasn't funny. Maybe they're not the type of person that, that will laugh. Maybe they refuse to shake your hand. Oh, yeah, they don't like me. No, maybe they're a germaphobe. Well, they spit on me. Well, that'd probably be one that would tell you it's time to leave. <laughs> we won't go into that one. Or their hands are behind their head. Oh, yeah, they're definitely not interested. The key here with nonverbal behavior is you're looking for clusters. Now, if all of these things happen, that would be a cluster of things that you're probably time to leave. But if only one happens, it probably doesn't dictate it's time to sabotage yourself. So with nonverbal behavior, you really have to learn to read people. Top persuaders will really know how to read people. For example, when people are interested, you'll notice that they lean forward and their eyes sparkle and their head starts to nod. Their voice will sound a little more interested and the responses get a lot easier. That's, that's important to know. So when you see three or four of these, you know they're interested. Now on the flip side, when people are rejecting you, 
you get really short answers. Their eyes turn cold or they might be drifting. Their arms will fold. Their lips might tighten. Their voice might sound flat. They might be standing back a little bit more. That's why it's so important to read people. My message here is just because they did one thing or looked at that watch or picked up the computer mouse or any of those things, big deal. Don't let that hurt your presentation. Don't let that create a no in your mind. Because if you think there's a no in your mind, then that changes your presentation, it changes your demeanor, it changes how you act, and it changes how you treat them. It all comes down to expectations, whether positive or negative. What are your expectations when you go into a situation? Oh, they're not going to buy, they won't be interested, they'll say no, they're the type of person that, and fill in the blank. Expectations influence reality. That's just how it is. Oh, what if they take advantage of me? And, you know, people dress like that, they usually don't have any money. And I've talked to people like that before. And a big one, well, they're really successful, they're millionaires, and, wow, they might be really hard to persuade. Well, let me just tell you that millionaires are easier to persuade than the average person. The average person tends to resist you a lot more. Oh, what if they try to persuade me? And we all need to be persuaded here and there. Millionaires, a lot of the times, will say, okay, persuade me. They'll actually say it. Sell me. Persuade me. Come on, give me the pros and cons. Come on, give me your best shot. And it's a whole different scenario, but sometimes we get so stuck in what's going on. The biggest factor here is that we tend to prejudge. The moment you prejudge who the decision maker is, the moment you prejudge that may or may not be interested, it changes your presentation. I could tell you so many horror stories of somebody prejudged they wouldn't be interested. Now, you might be right half the time, but the other half the time, it sucks the life out of your presentation. You act differently, and of course you're not going to persuade them. Everybody you meet can do business with you or know somebody that can. Everybody you meet can teach you something. Don't prejudge. Watch your expectation. People are like, oh, they picked up the phone. They must not be interested. Oh, their answers are really short. They must not be interested. No, maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe they're analytical. Maybe that's how they're, that's their personality. Oh, they said I only have 10 minutes. That must mean they've already decided. Oh, no, the secretary interrupted. They must be the type of person that has their secretary interrupt after five minutes so they can get out of the presentation. Oh, they're not that sharp. Or, oh, every time they have that objection, I can't persuade them. That's all expectations. You have to be very careful. Expectations influence reality. Now, your expectations can be communicated through your gestures, your body movements, eye contact, the way you ask questions, the way you talk to them. I mean, those are our expectations. That's where they come from. Be very careful. There's countless studies that have been done on, on expectations and how they influence reality. We see it time and time again, especially in the school system. With, I mean, we all have stories about teachers who brought us up to the next level and teachers that pulled us down. One interesting study was done with uh, students, elementary school students, and they all handed out hard candy with wrappers to all the students. And they unwrapped them, and most of them threw the wrappers on the floor. That's what elementary school kids do. And they counted the wrappers. But over the coming weeks, what happened? The teacher would say, here's how you're managing expectations. You're the cleanest class I've ever had. Thanks for being so clean. And she'd mention something every day. Vice principal came in and said, hey, I heard you're the cleanest class in the whole school. Janitor writes on the board, thanks for being such a clean class. A couple weeks later, they hand out some hard candy again, and they count them. Big difference as far as the number that went to the trash can. So it's not only your expectations, 
but their expectations and you need to manage those because the moment you prejudge them you know suck the life out of your presentation other interesting studies we've seen there was a study done by professor rosenthal he was a professor at harvard and he told his students that he had developed a breed of rats that could run mazes very quickly and he told the other half of the students that they would get normal rats so half the students would get the very fast rats the smart rats and the other half would get the not so smart rats or the normal rats and they would have them go through these mazes now what the students did not know is that they were the same rats but for some reason the smart fast rats got better times even though they were the same rats we know that wiping your feet on a doormat increases the expectations of you going to a home, increases the chances. If you hand somebody a pen with a contract or an agreement, it increases the chances that you're going to do that. That's all part of expectations. There's even first impression expectations. Have you ever noticed how people you assume are going to be jerks turn out to be that way? And if there's someone that you're excited to meet, you treat them differently? See, often our assumptions and expectations about someone we're about to meet for the first time play out exactly as we've already mentally conceived them. So once again, even when they're first meeting with someone, you're sending out these subconscious messages about how they should respond and behave to you. Another one was really interesting, an experiment. Actually, this was an accident. There was a coupon they sent out, and there was a printing error on this coupon that actually made it more expensive. It was for a tire, for a tire coupon. So when you use the coupon, it actually made it more expensive. So there was a mistake. That's not what they wanted. But they had been doing this coupon for years. Now, all of a sudden, there was a mistake. It would cost people more. They had the same response rate because the expectation is you get a coupon, you save money. So really take a look at your expectations and what is happening during your presentations. Do not sabotage yourself. Do not negotiate with yourself. Do not put the no in their mind. Just because you see one or two of these things doesn't mean they're not interested. That's why I want you to work on this week, something very important, is I want you to assume the best. Now, I know there's good side of assumption and bad side of assumption, but here, assume the best. Assume they're going to be interested and they want to know more and they're going to answer your questions and they're going to be interested. That changes your demeanor and how you act. And look for clusters just because they look at their watch or look at their email, or the secretary interrupts, or something strange happens, or they just keep looking out the window, does not mean they're not interested. But if they're doing all of those, well, now you've seen a cluster, and it might be time to ask a question, to gauge their interest, and move on, and manage your expectations. As we look at top persuaders, they tend to be more, no, I'm put it this way, when we look at top persuaders, they are more optimistic. They see a brighter picture. Optimists live longer, they make more money, they have more friends versus pessimists. And I know it's easy to be pessimistic times, but if you go into a presentation, pessimistic, talk to someone over the phone, pessimistic, that goes through the phone, that goes through your presentation, that triggers subconscious triggers, and that creates the no many times. That causes them to resist, and a lot of times you're creating that resistance for them. You're giving it to them, and that is not what we want in the world of influence and persuasion. So this time, what I want you to do is assume the best, be optimistic, manage your expectations, and go throughout the presentation, look for those clusters, and if you get see four or five, then it's time to gauge their interest and either stick around or move on. That way it will save you time 
but that way you're not creating the no. Master this and you'll see a big difference in your ability to read people and influence with power. There you have it. That's our podcast. That is podcast number 133. Thanks for listening. You can visit us at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Email us at MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. This is Kurt Mortensen signing out. Take care. See you next week and persuade with power.